Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. I mean, listen, guys, we're talking about the potential for war in Europe. What he is doing is going to be a disaster for Russia. And what the Prime Minister of Canada, the way he's behaving right now, he's exactly like a tyrant, like a dictator. How much vitriol do we have to see of Hong Kong, which is an acronym for Hail Hitler? Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome in. We're going to cover all of it as much as we can in the next hour. Daily Wire is reporting during a Tuesday press conference, Vladimir Putin said the Minsk agreement no longer exists, that Ukraine must demilitarize. He added that they should not any longer seek NATO membership. This would mean the Western leaders would not lose face, Putin said, speaking through an interpreter. Putin then spoke again of concerns that Ukraine could develop a nuclear weapon and that demilitarization was the only objective controlling factor that we could observe and have a proper reaction to. Even the appearance of tactical nuclear weaponry in Ukraine for us means a strategic threat, Putin added. I mean, does anybody really think that Ukraine has got is anywhere near having a nuclear weapon? This follows a Monday press conference during which Putin argued that the sovereignty of Ukraine as a state was a fiction. So I will start with the fact that modern Ukraine was entirely created by Russia, or more precise, by the the Bolsheviks, Uh, Communist Russia, Putin said, according to the Kremlin translation, this process started practically right after 1917 and the revolution. Putin set out three demands to resolve the disputes between Russia and Ukraine, saying that Ukraine must recognize Russian sovereignty over the Crimea Peninsula, renounce its attempts to join the North Atlantic Treaty Organization, and partially demilitarize. Um. The now, now, will he stop there? You know, it's interesting. There's a uh, story out. I think it was. Uh, I think it was in the Daily Wire, I believe. But or, no, it was the Daily Caller, where the, one of the writers is just saying, "Is is Putin just trying to make Biden look like an idiot? Is, is that his objective? I mean, his objective is not to take over uh, Ukraine. Although you know, he's already." basically said those eastern portions of Ukraine are now under independence under the the uh, peacekeepers from Russia, right, peacekeepers. National Review is reporting that Biden announced several new economic sanctions against Russia today, one after the Kremlin moved to formally invade two separatist regions of eastern Ukraine that have long been under the control of its proxies. This is the beginning of a Russian invasion of Ukraine, Biden said. I'm going to begin to impose sanctions in response far beyond the steps we and our allies and partners imposed in 2014. If Russia goes further with this invasion, we stand prepared to go further. In these uh, sanctions, Biden announced a full blocking of Russia's VEP bank and the country's military bank, as well as sanctions on Russia sovereign debt, which Biden said would help cut Russia off from the Western financing. Biden continued that the U.S. will begin on Wednesday to sanction members of the Russia's elite and their family members. Because of Russia's actions, we work with Germany to ensure Nord Stream 2 will not 
as I promised, will not move forward, Biden said. Well, I mean, it's already moving forward pretty rapidly. Meanwhile, the president authorized additional deployment of U.S. forces to the Baltic nations. Biden emphasized that the deployments were purely defensive in nature. We still believe that Russia is poised to go much further in launching a massive military attack against Ukraine. I hope I'm wrong about that, Biden warned. I just hope Biden is quick as to shut down the Nord Stream 2 as he was to shut down the XL pipeline. I mean, if he could be that swift, then maybe uh, maybe uh, Vladimir Putin would uh, get his you know it would get his attention. Let's put it that way. Um, we'll continue to follow that. A lot of news related to what is happening in our state. Uh, Carolina Journal continues to do a good job covering uh, this issue with the state maps, the House, state House, the state Senate, and the congressional maps. State lawmakers defending their latest election maps are urging a three-judge panel to avoid conducting, quote, a beauty contest over competing plans. That language appears in a document filed yesterday in the legal case over North Carolina congressional and legislative maps. A panel of Superior Court judges must decide by noon tomorrow whether to uphold redraw maps from the Republican-led General Assembly or substitute their own maps for the 2022 election. That timeline came after the North Carolina Supreme Court, which threw out the North, uh, with the, the North Carolina General Assembly original maps. The court should decline the plaintiff's invitation to judge a redistricting beauty contest and order the General Assembly's remedial maps, which are clearly constitutional under North Carolina's Supreme Court's February 14, 2022 order for use in the upcoming 2022 elections, wrote Philip Stratch uh, on behalf of the legislative defendants. He's the attorney in the uh, case and uh, for the Republicans. In addition to the legislature's maps, the panel also consider proposals from three different sets of plaintiffs in the case. Quote, when a legislative timely, in, uh, when a legislature rather, timely enacts remedial districting plans, a reviewing court's analysis is limited to where the legislative plans are constitutional. Courts must impose remedial actions as narrowly as possible, he added. As such, the issue in assessing the General Assembly's remedial plans here is not who has produced the best or most constitutional maps. And this is the key right here. The function of this court is to only determine whether the proposed remedial plans satisfy the metrics established by the North Carolina Supreme Court, which those metrics were pretty vague whether any plans offered by the plaintiffs are better or more constitutional is irrelevant. And here's the line that you got to remember. The only relevant issue is whether the legislatively enacted maps are constitutional. They either are or they aren't. I mean, you're not just a little bit pregnant. You either are or you aren't. These are either constitutional or they're not. And they're saying they're constitutional. Now, what's interesting about this, when we had Dallas Woodhouse on yesterday, he pointed out that while the North Carolina legislature, controlled by Republicans, are putting together the maps as they think it's best and constitutional and trying to follow the vague directives of the North Carolina Supreme Court, 
In the meantime, there's pretty strong uh, evidence out there that they're feeding new criteria in behind the backs of the Republicans, so it is impossible for the Republicans to come up with a map that would satisfy. The legislative defendant's brief dissects the other problems with the proposed alternative maps. These are the maps from the other three organizations. It labels some of the proposals illegal racial gerrymandering. Legislative defendants, those would be the Republicans, also skewer alternative congressional maps. The North Carolina League of Conservative of Conservation Voters, rather, their plan is even more egregious, Starch wrote. The North Carolina League of Conservation Voters plan creates eight seats won by President Biden in a state where President Biden lost to Donald Trump. It clearly fails the partisan metrics set by the North Carolina Supreme Court to skew the map in favor of North Carolina Democrats and creates simply bizarre seats that no legislature would enact. I mean, it's rather ironic that they're coming around and saying, oh, the Republicans are they terrible gerrymandering. Have you gone to go and look at the maps? I mean, for the first time in decades, they have kept so many counties intact. And yet they come up with a map that is totally gerrymandered for the congressional races and no, no comments about how awkward these maps look. The um, By the way, th- this whole uh, story on North Carolina maps is making national news now. I don't know if you watch Fox News, but uh, they've been talking about it. The Washington Free Beacon has got a headline article, How Eric Holder Tipped the Scales in North Carolina's Redistricting Fight. Now, we've been going over this so, mu- so much, you know the story, but they point out the fact that Anita Earls has received a boatload of money from Eric Holder's partisan redistricting network. The Holder-backed Judge Anita Earls serves in the North Carolina Supreme Court, which will likely have the final say over the congressional maps the state adopts. Now, if you were thinking that there's going to be a fair decision, apparently you weren't listening a couple of weeks back when they tossed the, the maps that the Superior Court, which was made up of a unanimous decision made up of two Republicans and one Democrat. Um, they're, they're, I'm sorry. I, I have no faith that if Anita Earls gets the thumbs down from Eric Holder, she won't approve them. Now, whether or not the rest of the Democrats, the seven, seven judges, four Democrats, three Republicans, whether the rest of the Democrats go yay or nay, I don't know, but I, it's, it's going to be really Eric Holder. I mean, kudos to the guy. I mean, he's a cheat. He's anti-American and everything else. But you know what? He's pulled it off. Uh, the Washington Free Beacon also goes into the, flack, the, the fact that uh, numerous people have said that this is such a conflict of interest for Anita Earls to be deciding a case on th- that is obviously um, – tainted the fact that you've got Eric Holder's group that has given her almost a quarter of a million dollars for her to be on the Supreme Court, and she she feels fine about uh, not recusing herself. Um, 
Holder endorsed Earls in 2018 and is pushed to elect state judges for the purpose of adopting Democrat-friendly congressional maps. Interestingly, he has not brought up the highly gerrymandered map up in the state of New York. The National Democrat Redistricting Committee works in concert with the National Redistricting Foundation and the National Redistricting Action Fund. All of those are funded heavily, a dark money group, which is funded by uh, Swiss billionaire Jan, uh, Hans Jor Weiss. He's the one that's giving all this money there. Uh, it's, um, it is very disappointing, and uh, you know, it, it really – I mean, these kind of things have happened before, but, boy, this has taken it up to a new level. And, and the hypocrisy, the utter hypocrisy by three states Eric Holder has – including uh, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, and North Carolina, with uh, aggressively going in and trying to get judges to decide what the maps will look like. In all three of those states, the maps should be drawn by the leg- state legislature, and all three of those state legislatures are controlled. Well, I'm not sure about Pennsylvania, but I know Wisconsin and North Carolina are controlled by Republicans. North Carolina is ground zero for gerrymandering, Holder said. We have to put more people in the state house, state senate, and we have to have Anita Earls as the next Supreme Court justice. She's a great lawyer. That's what he said when uh, he was behind her back in 2018 and cutting large checks for her. The, um, the other interesting thing about this whole map deal is um, – Mitch Kokai wrote an interesting op-ed piece in the Carolina Journal, but he points out the fact that the Democrats are complaining that these maps are not fair. Representative Pricey Harrison, Democrat from Guilford County, said last week during the House debate on the congressional maps, quote, while I appreciate that this was represented as a potential 644 map, which means six congressional districts would go for Republicans, four for Democrats, and four would be toss-up competitive districts. While I, um, while I appreciate that it'd be a 644 map, there are some that say that it's really a 10-4 map and a good GOP year. Harrison referenced analysis from Dave Wasserman of the Cook Political Report. Using the 2020 statistics, it would be a 9-5 map, but likely 10-4 in 2022. Now, what's interesting about this is she is complaining because this 644 map this year, which, of course, we haven't had any elections yet, but this year, She's complaining that it's likely going to be a 10-4 map, and therefore it's not fair. So another, and why is it not fair? Well, it's because she's reading the same tea leaves that everybody else is leaving. Uh, reading, I've got a, 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 a story in the pile here. Michael Bloomberg came out today and said the Democrats are going to get shellacked, and they're going to get shellacked in states that are primarily controlled by Democrats, traditionally liberal states. The 
So she's complaining because she is reading those same tea leaves and saying, well, this is not fair because this year it's probably going to be 10-4. So in other words, she wants a map that's highly partisan in favor of the Democrats. She knows that she's going to get shellacked, that the Democrats are going to get shellacked in congressional races in North Carolina this November, but she wants the Republicans to come up with a map, even though they're going to get shellacked because nobody likes their policies. She wants to come up with a map that will bend over backwards and hand them a bunch of congressional seats. That's the only way it's going to be fair. It's bizarre. And Mitch Kokai points out the fact that, wait a minute, you're not asking for a fair map. You're asking for a highly partisan map in favor of the Democrats. And he's absolutely right. And the courts should not listen to it. But again, <laughs> we, you know, uh, Lady Justice does not have her blindfold on. And uh, with the Democrats and the Supreme Court, we've already seen what they've done once. I'm not saying they're not going to pass it. If they do pass it, it's because Eric Holder thinks, well, that's as good as it's going to get. But, uh, boy, the more you look into this, the more you think, uh, fat chance that uh, the North Carolina Supreme Court is going to pass this. And, again, the maps um, will be decided by the Superior Court by tomorrow, and then it will immediately go over to the Supreme Court. I suppose, unless... Unless the Superior Courts approve it, and then the Supreme Court says, okay, well, we're not going to change it anyway because Eric Holder said it was okay. And uh, I'm sorry. Am I cynical over the North Carolina Supreme Court? Absolutely. Absolutely. Again, go read the dissenting opinion by the Chief Justice, Paul Newby, and uh, he's just as cynical as I am. But he does it on sheer fact that he's looking at the case, he's looking at the Constitution, he's looking at the judicial activism of the four Democrats on the Supreme Court, and he makes it pretty clear that this is beyond the pale. we got to take a time out. Lots more to talk about. Love to hear from you. 561-8255. We'll be right back. This is your Drive at Five, an ENC with Tom Lamprecht. Welcome back to News and Views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome back in. Taking a quick look at your weather forecast. Mostly cloudy with a low around 60 tonight. Uh, Wednesday, just a slight chance of rain during the day. A high near 73, otherwise cloudy skies. Tomorrow night, partly cloudy, a low around 47. Thursday, a slight chance of showers once again, although mostly cloudy, looks like the forecast. The high on Thursday is only 56. Thursday night, a low of 49, but Friday, partly sunny, a high near 81. It is going to be a little breezy, and it cools down again on Saturday with a high near 53, but lots of sunshine coming up over the weekend. So all in all, not bad. Interesting. Maybe Putin has never gotten over this fact. 42 years ago, 1980, the miracle on ice happened when the United States finally beat the Soviet Union in hockey, winning by a score of 4-3, to the 13th Winter Olympics, Lake Placid, New York. You know, a lot of people think that was the goal, though. They, they did not. That was one of the earlier games. The U.S. then went on to beat Finland in the final game, taking the gold medal. 
And uh, that's uh, the miracle on ice. So I guess maybe that's why uh, Putin has decided to get Henri today, the 42nd uh, anniversary of uh, the Russian hockey team being embarrassed by the uh, Americans. You know, it was uh, interesting. Remember back to uh, that debate between Mitt Romney and uh, Barack Hussein Obama, where Romney called Russia our number one geopolitical foe. And uh, what did uh, Obama say that uh, the 1980s called they want their uh, foreign policy back? Schnuck, schnuck, schnuck. And then um, Candy Crowley. (laughs) Oh, yeah. She wasn't biased. No, no, no. She was a fair moderator. Carolina Journal is also reporting Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson is calling for broad reforms in the K-12 education system in North Carolina. Robinson's comments came during a standing committee meeting yesterday that touched on themes of accountability, discipline, and restoring common sense. Well, that's a clever idea. Robinson, a Republican, specifically called out a lack of discipline in public classrooms, public school classrooms, the presence of political issues and agenda-driven indoctrination, missing transparency, and lack of rigor in the curriculum to train students for the job market. I think that pretty well sums it up. The state's first black lieutenant governor took aim at administrators who prioritize social engineering above the basics of reading, writing, and mathematics. Bingo. And again, um, what's interesting about this is while he is saying that, former I mentioned this earlier, former New York City mayor and Democrat presidential candidate Michael Bloomberg warned in an op-ed today that his party was headed for a wipeout in November up and down the ballot. Bloomberg called out Democrats far left wing pointing to the ouster of three San Francisco school board members by mostly Democrat voters coming from America's most liberal city. These results should translate into a 7 to 8 on the Richter scale because the three main factors that drove the recall are not unique to the Bay Area. The school board members seemed more concerned with political correctness than educating children. Instead of reopening schools, they spent their time renaming them, stripping off the names of historic figures like George Washington and Abraham Lincoln, before a public outcry forced them to reverse course. Bloomberg said that Democrats needed a, to change their rhetoric on schools, criticizing those who have pushed to keep them closed and called on them to embrace a practical problem-solver mentality on issues like education and crime. Swing voters will decide the 2020 midterm elections, and right now the polls show they are swinging away from Democrats The earthquake that shook San Francisco needs to shake up our party before voters do it themselves in November. I mean, I I bring up these two stories together because this is really interesting. You've got liberal Michael Bloomberg, and that guy's a lib. I mean, I know at one point he was a Republican, but uh, he's he's a total lib. He's, He's bought into this social engineering. You've got him, and then you've got probably the most conservative lieutenant governor of any state in the nation, Mark Robinson, saying the exact same thing. Now, R- Mark Robinson didn't say, okay, get Democrats, get, par- get prepared to get wiped out. But, they're, but both of them are saying we've got to get back to common sense. 
Robinson's comments came during the latest meeting of the North Carolina House Select Committee on Education. The group has been tasked with spending the next two years researching the best approaches um, in in the world for K-12 education and making recommendations. You know, that, now I, this is out of Carolina Journal. I got a lot of respect for Carolina Journal. And again, I, they're just reporting on, on what is happening there. But, you know, when we go out and we look for these highfalutin, you know, Harvard-educated whatevers that are going to tell us how to teach the kids, can we just get back to basics? Is it not amazing to people that we can spend millions and millions of dollars on public education and we can say, oh, we got to find the latest and greatest. And meanwhile, there's a mom who had just a basic college education. In many cases, they don't have a college education that are homeschooling their kids. And the, the kids are at the, at the top of the charts. I mean, I'm not, I know don't come to me with some bad examples of homeschoolers. I know they're out there, but by and large, children that are homeschooled hit it out of the park. So, so you got moms just giving a basic education, and their academics for their kids are are, are great. And yet, we've always got to go find the latest and greatest, and spend hundreds of thousands of dollars bringing some guru in to get us to examine our navels. <laughs> I'm sorry, am I cynical? Yeah, I am. And Robinson is right. He goes on to say, the question we need to ask ourselves in North Carolina is why we spend half of our state budget on education and our numbers look abysmal. That's failure, he said. Robinson also set his sights on the lack of discipline, control, and safety in the classroom. He cited one story from a teacher who is a 24-year veteran in the profession but plans to quit due to discipline and safety issues in the classroom. He referenced statistics showing that North Carolina high school classrooms have nearly double the crime rate compared to the state as a whole. Teachers have got to stop going to school in fear for themselves, and the same goes for our students, Robinson said. We see the chaos in our schools, and part of the reason why is because we no longer provide the discipline in those walls that we need to. Robinson decried the disconnect between K-12 public education and the demands of the modern workforce. He pointed to the arrival of companies like Boom and Apple to North Carolina, but said the schools are inadequately preparing students for these jobs. For solution, Robinson recommended enhancing apprenticeships, track-based education that directly prepares students for jobs. In other words, let's go back to the technical schools. I mean, what happened to the technical schools we used to have? Prepare kids for look, plumbers, electricians. I mean, all of them make great salaries and have great careers. But no, everybody's got to be on the, the the college track when the kids don't want to be on the college track. When when I ran for uh, the state senate, well, it was back in '96. I was saying these same things. Why why have we done away with the trade schools? There's nothing to be embarrassed about there. And actually, in for a large section of our communities, that's you know it's that's been picked up by the community colleges. But yeah, could we have some discipline? Five six one eight two five five. Carlton is on the line. Hey, Carlton. Hey, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. Good to hear from you. Good. When's the last time you heard from Sadie? I every now and then I you know get a text from her. So she's she's doing all right okay. up in uh, up in Virginia, okay. up in Daleville. She's up near Roanoke. Yeah, question I like that. Oh, this gerrymandering. Um, 
What what is the um, deviation of uh, variation of that call? Uh, say again. Right. I, I don't follow your question. The gerrymandering maps are trying to change. Right. Okay. What what is trying to change over? Why is the reason? Well, they they are um, they need to go back and change them each year because they need to divide the districts up equally in terms of population. But also, yeah, but they don't. They, why don't they take the maps that they've already done? Why are they rejecting them for? Well, because the Democrats are in control of the North Carolina Supreme Court, and uh, the maps favored the Republicans, which for you know, 100, 200 years when the Democrats yeah, were in control. Yeah, yeah they, they were the ones that drew up maps that favored the Democrats. Oh, yeah. well, Here's the question. If, if they're drawing it up because of um, racial difference, then isn't it, isn't it less Republicans in North Carolina as Democrats? If they're doing it for that, then why don't they do it for us? Well, now, now technically by law, they're not allowed to draw the maps based on race. But what was interesting right. is, uh, I think it was uh, the, the Justice Hudson was, yeah. uh, was I think it was Hudson that was saying, maybe it was Anita Earls, but one of the two of them said, I mean, they basically, they basically wanted the Republicans to go back and draw the maps based on giving the Democrats a fair shake. In other words, you know, yeah. we want you to consider the the party affiliation when you go back and, and like that was right. the criteria um you know it's unfortunately until we get uh, some fair justices in the north carolina supreme court and i'm sorry they're right. they're not fair they're not being equitable they're not you know lady justice does not yeah. have a blindfold on they're looking exactly at who's bringing the cases to them well, do, they, do they do this every 10 years or what yes Every ten years, when there's a census, they well, turn. Well, what I was thinking, I was, I was hoping they'd do it about every couple of years. That way, see the thing with Republicans is Democrats in there. They tell you what they're going to do. They do it. You can like a lump. Republicans in there. They tell you what they're going to. Well, okay, we don't want to upset nobody. Well, I think that, I, I think the Republicans. The I, I, w- I would say that the Republicans that are in the state house now, under the leadership of Tim Moore and Phil Berger, are doing a good job. I think they've rolled up the shirt sleeves and. You know, they yeah. took this as far as they can take it, and they're not, you know, the, the federal courts are not going to pick it up. They've already said, you know, this is a state right. issue. But now, um, as we talked to Mitch Kokai, um, he was telling us the other day that um, the, the state legislature can redraw the congressional maps whenever they get in the mood to. They You can redraw the congressional maps. Um, they could do it once a year. Okay. You, tr- you traditionally don't redraw the state and state house and the state senate maps, right. but okay. once every okay. ten years. But based yeah. upon the fact that you've had so much impropriety done and questionable behavior done by the the North Carolina Supreme Court, basically yeah. taking over a job that belongs in the hands of the legislature. Uh, that well, if yeah. if we turn over the Supreme Court and it becomes uh, a Republican well, controlled I mean, let's turn Supreme over Court, governor too. Let's, let's turn over the governor too. Oh please! <laughs> well, yeah. that's, not this, that's, little, that's not this. That's not this year. Play. When we, that's not when we this year. It, but it, let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, look, when it gets our turn and everybody gets it, let them remember what they did up there in the Congress. You know. 
Well, they, listen, uh, they, well, they, Reed, they, when Reed was in there and he shot himself in the foot. Well, they've got two sets of rules right now. I mean, Eric Holder is up in New York, not uttering yeah. a word about the gerrymandering up there, which is highly partisan right. in favor of the Democrats. But he's down here screaming that uh, how dare these Republicans put together a map that was a fair map. I mean, my gosh, right. if you look yeah. at the maps yeah. from 20, 30 years ago, they were so gerrymandered by the by the Democrats, it was unbelievable some of the districts yeah. that they put together. Yeah, the Mel like Watt district. Snakes. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It absolutely yeah. was. All right, yeah. we got to take a time yeah. out. Good talking to you. Stay with us. Love to hear from you. 561-8255. We'll be right back. Back to News and Views. Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Well, uh, more disappointing news from Canada. JP, um, P, JP, PJ Media reporting the death of freedom in Canada went by a party line vote last night with the ruling liberals and the far left New Democrat Party voting with Justin Trudeau's invocation of emergency powers continuing the Conservatives voting against. In Canada, none of the Liberals and New Democrats who voted for the Emergencies Act appeared to have pondered the lessons of the, less, the left's history and how this whole thing can backfire on them very easily. I think it will. I mean, I think this is the same garbage that uh, lefties are doing all over the place, and you are seeing what the response is. At some point, the... Um, Canadians will go back to the polls and uh, some of these people are going to they're going to be shocked at what they see. Trudeau claims that he needs emergency powers to seize the bank accounts of his opponents and hound them in order um, to uh, in extra constitutional ways, because even though the freedom convoy has dispersed, it could gain again, gain steam and uh, you know what? Our democracy might be taken over. Uh, you know, this re- the, the rhetoric coming out of Trudeau and the lefties up in Canada, very similar playbook to how the Democrats are um, looking at the January 6th insurrection. Um, they're demonizing their opponents. Uh, it is, and again, so bizarre, especially in, in the United States, when, when you had... Cities being burned by Black Lives Matter and Antifa, and uh, they were peaceful pro- protesters. You had a one-day event. The only person that was killed was one of the protesters. And, uh, and yet, they continue to demonize them. They continue to have them locked up. Ottawa Mayor Jim Watson, over the weekend, says he wants to sell the trucks confiscated from the protesters who took part in the Freedom Convoy against vaccine mandates. Watson made the remarks in an interview with the CBC, the Canadian Broadcasting Network, our corporation. He claimed that Canada's Emergencies Act, which gives the government more power to respond to an urgent and critical situation that seriously endangers the lives, health, or safety of Canadians and is of such proportions or nature as to exceed the capacity or authority of a province to deal with it, gives the city of Ottawa 
the authority to sell the trucks. Uh, He also says that when they sell the trucks, they're going to take the proceeds and um, give them back to, quote, the taxpayers who have had to pay the cost, and we will give them back to the local small businesses who have suffered during the protest, which is really rather interesting because every story I've seen coming out of Ottawa dealing with small businesses, the small businesses were backing up the truckers. (laughs) They weren't on the side of the government. They were backing up the truckers. So much for uh, the freedom to express oneself. Uh, Last week, Prime Minister Trudeau invoked the Emergencies Act, which also allows the government to seize the bank accounts of residents suspected of helping protesters without a warrant. Wow. So, But what's interesting about this is they're going back to the early days of the protest before the government made any of these proclamations. And if you gave to the truckers even back then, you're in trouble before anything was said that you're not supposed to give. Uh, This is the most bizarre, and um, in the opening uh, bumper, um, uh, Clark had a a piece of this (laughs) individual, Canadian Liberal MP Yara Sachs, came out yesterday and saying, uh, uttering the sound, honk honk, is code for Heil Hitler. I'm not kidding. This person is serious. Sachs gave her testimony before Parliament yesterday where she lamented perceived government inaction regarding the truckers. How many guns need to be seized, Sachs said. Have you seen any stories concerning people brandishing firearms up there? How much vitriol do we have to see of Honk Honk, which is an acronym for Heil Hitler? Do we need to see it on social media? Apparently she doesn't know what an acronym is. Honk Honk has become an unofficial slogan for the Freedom Convoy. Sachs claimed Honk Honk stood for Heil Hitler. (laughs) Here's the interesting thing about this. Now ask yourself this question. Who is acting like a fascist tyrant? The truckers or Trudeau? 561-8255, 561-8255. We got Russ on the line. Hey Russ, how are you, sir? Fine. What's up? I have a question. Yes, sir. I'm trying to hear to you. I do not understand, maybe I'm missing something, but why is it instead of well once the North Carolina Supreme Court voted that the maps were unconstitutional, which they were not, why is it that the Republicans didn't go ahead and go as far as the United States Supreme Court, who would have ruled in their favor, probably. You know, I think they were pondering that, but the United States Supreme Court has made it pretty clear that these issues are state issues and they weren't likely to pick it up. And so I'm assuming... Well, they picked up the one from Alabama. Yeah, but that's because a federal judge in Alabama was the one that stopped those maps. It wasn't a state judge. It was a federal judge. And that's why they intervened in that. So if if a federal judge had intervened down here, now why a federal judge in Alabama intervened and stopped the maps, I don't know, but he did. 
and uh, perhaps because it was a complaint from a, a member of, of Congress. I'm not sure. But uh, but that's the difference, and and they made that clear that here this is the reason why they picked it up is because originally the uh, federal judge objected to the state maps in Alabama. So the Republicans who are in charge of the legislature in North Carolina have no say. That's what it was to. Uh, say it again, Russ. I'm having a hard time hearing you. Say that again. So the Republican legislature in North Carolina has no say whatsoever about how these maps are drawn. Well, that's what the yeah, that's what the Democrats on the Supreme Court are basically saying, and that's why uh, Paul Newby, the Chief Justice, when he wrote up his dissenting opinion for the Republicans, I mean, he wrote it for all three Republicans, but he was the author of it. You know, he just said this: this is my my words, not his, but this is beyond the pale. That you are yeah. taking upon yourself authority that you do not have, and uh, you know, it'd be nice to. Uh, I mean, you know, we're we're getting to the point that we're seeing the early stages of anarchy when you have when you have individuals in authority that says, I don't care. I'm going to do what I darn well please. And I'm going to make decisions regardless of what the law says. I mean, the law is very clearly spelled out in the federal constitution and in the state constitution that the courts have no say in this. Now, it's That's inter- right. Yeah. So I, I it's it's very why frustrating. Isn't the Republican legislature can't. Isn't there anybody they could point that out to? Oh, they're but pointing they it out. Do. I mean, the the uh, s- the chief justice has pointed it out. The attorney for the uh, defendants, which is the North Carolina Republicans in the legislature. I mean, he's pointed it out very clearly. But the, they refuse to listen. I mean, you've got Eric Holder, who's bought off a, one of the chief justices. And uh, she is the, you know, she is the extra vote that they've got on the Supreme Court. The, you know, the, the silver lining in all this, as I've said throughout the program, is there is a huge frustration building. And granted, I'm not saying that the diehard Democrats are going to suddenly have a come to Jesus moment, but there's enough independents and Republicans out there and even a handful of Democrats that look at the situation and they say, by gosh, we're not going to put up with this anymore. This is anarchy. And uh, it is anarchy. When you have people doing, you know, <laughs> what the book of Judges, everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And, and that's, that's exactly what the Democrats are doing right now. We're not following, following the rule of law. And when you, when you introduce that, you, you've got the early stages of anarchy. Russ, thanks for the call. Good questions. Hope I helped you. Five six one eight two five five. We got to take another time out. Stay with us. I'll be right back. He brought a kind of heat. He could be the best. Just don't hurt yourself, okay? More news and views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. So this week, Keith Kidwell is headed down to uh, Florida to uh, get an award because he's a great conservative uh, at CPAC. The CPAC conference is this week. Yet there is a group of anti-Trump Republicans that are going to hold their own little conference up in D.C. 
The gathering is entitled Principles First, the Summit, and it will be counter-programming to CPAC. The two prominent anti-Trump Republicans that will be speaking feature speakers Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger. (laughs) Crickets. I mean, who's going to show up to this? I mean, the Democrats aren't going to show up, and the Republicans aren't going to be there. Both speakers are scheduled to speak uh, on uh, Saturday, the same day that Donald Trump will make his CPAC appearance. Gee, I wonder who will have more viewers. Let me go out on the limb there and guess it's going to be Donald Trump. We want to come together in a visual show of support for people who have taken stands for ideas when it hasn't been comfortable, said the uh, head honcho of this, a Republican attorney by the name of Heath Mayo. Mayo added, I believe there is a lane here for 2024. The slow lane? The party is completely stuck in a rut talking about the last election, whether it's legitimate, and if Liz Cheney, Maryland Governor Larry Hogan, or someone else is compelling and wants to run, I think a lot of people would listen. Well, Larry Hogan said he's not going to run, and who's going to listen to him? (laughs) Republicans are not going to listen to him. I mean... Larry Hogan, you know, barely gets, you talk about rhino. Oh my gosh. Out of Maryland. Uh, Listen, if you are not a super rhino in Maryland, there's no way you're going to be elected as the governor of Maryland. I mean, I lived in Maryland for 30 years. It is right up there with Massachusetts. It's pretty liberal. Um, But are these people delusional? I mean, I'm sorry. Do they actually think they're going to have a following? I mean, why would you have Adam Kinzinger, who's not even running for re-election, and Liz Cheney, who I'll be shocked if she wins re-election, and they're going to be your featured speakers? (laughs) Wow. By the way, sort of a sad note, uh, I always uh, like to throw a shoe when he was on TV debating, but uh, sorry to announce that Bob Beckel, passed away last night. He uh, died at the age of 73. You know, uh, columnist Cal Thomas, who is a outspoken born-again Christian, shared his faith faith with Bob Beckel when Bob Beckel was really going through some tough times. And Bob Beckel, I know he kept his uh, liberal um, preferences, but uh, according to Cal Thomas, Bob Beckel made a strong commitment to Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. Cal Thomas posted on Facebook about Beckel's death. My friend and spiritual brother, Bob Beckel, has passed into the presence of the Lord he loved. We did so many things together, and I hope we molded, um, I'm sorry, modeled what two people of different political persuasions can be like when they love one another. For 10 years, we wrote the Common Ground column for USA Today and a book by that title. The name of his ironically titled autobiography is, quote, I Should Be, I Should Be Dead. It is a highly readable book about a difficult life that was dramatically changed in the last 15 years. I will see you soon, Bob. You are loved. Uh, Beckel was a member of the uh, uh, Fox program, The Five. Uh, he was briefly, he started that in 2011. He went over to CNN for a little bit, came back to The Five. Uh, Fox severed ties with Beckel in 2017. Uh, interestingly, he was also um, the campaign manager when um, 
Walter Mondale ran for president. He was his campaign manager. So uh, anyway, uh, he was he was one of the uh, Democrats you could actually debate with, and uh, wasn't totally woke. But uh, Bob Beckel dying at the age of 73. Hey, we got to run. We'll do it again tomorrow. See you at 5 o'clock. Bye-bye, everybody. All right, all right, all right.